Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles, and we're going to make our way to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 7 in the latter half of that today. It's good to see everybody on this nice rainy day. Proud of you for being here and toughing out the rain to get here. Uh, but it has been a great morning so far, and, and it's an honor to get to open up the Word with you guys. Uh, if you're new here, uh, it's such an honor to have you worship with us today. My name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors here at the well. And I hope you find yourself at home today. And I hope that uh, someone here is welcoming you in and that you get to uh, just get, get to meet a little bit of our church family today. As we uh, go through today's sermon, we are going to be finishing up our sermon series that we have been going through over the past three weeks. And so we have been going through a series on relationships. And so this is the first time we've ever done anything like this uh, in our church family. But every now and then it's helpful to go and address a particular topic uh, that many of our people are walking through or they're discipling people through. And so we have gone through this for the past three weeks. And so we have talked about marriage and dating and last week was sex. And this week we are going to be going through singleness. And these four areas, they have been very, very relevant to what many people in this room have been uh, wondering about or, or experiencing or going through. And so what we have learned is that marriage is this image of the gospel that it is more than just a love relationship, but that marriage is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his love towards the church, and that this is married in the same way a husband sacrifices and lays down his life for his bride, his wife, because the bride of Christ is the church. And so we talk through that foundation of what a biblical marriage is and how God has designed it, the following week, Alan Tate came and he preached on dating and threw down for uh, all of us that are going through that right now. If you're in that season or you're discipling someone through that season, that because Jesus changes everything about us, that changes everything about the way you should date people. And he led us through that last week or two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about sex. And so that was the first time we had done that in this congregation. So that was a lot of fun if you were here. But seeing that when God has designed it, he has created it, and there's a particular context in which he gives it to us, which is in marriage. And it's in this marriage that husband and wife come together as one, and they flourish together. And that brings us to the very end of, of, of what we're going to talk about in this series, and that is singleness. And so many of you, when you maybe when you initially heard this sermon series, you're like, maybe thinking, well, Ethan, I'm not in a relationship, Right? Well, that's not for me, um, and, and, and don't worry, like I, I had you in mind, uh, but whether you are single today, or whether you are engaged, or whether you are married, what we're about to learn is deeply relevant for every single one of you, because the truths that we learn in this passage apply to all of us in a particular way. And so when we're talking about singleness, how I'm going to be talking about it today as we base it off 1 Corinthians 7 is generally, we're talking about a person who is unmarried. We're talking about someone who's not married and going through that particular season of life. And why are we even talking about this in the first place? Well, when we think about singleness, within the church, there can be a variety of ideas of what singleness should be like, how should we think about it, how should we feel about it, when in reality, the Bible actually speaks much to this season of life. And, and what we learn and discover is when we begin to peel back 
the layers and begin to look behind the curtain, we discover there's much from the world and what much from what is out there in the culture that has just slowly been impressed upon us, uh, and that has formed how we should view singleness and how we should view single people. Let me give an example. If you are a movie watcher, I love watching movies because that's all we can do when the kids are gone to bed. We can't go anywhere. And uh, if you are, like, for example, a romantic comedy type of movie or a rom-com, according to Netflix and Hulu. If you're watching those, uh, one of the things that you're going to find when you're watching those kinds of movies is more often than not that people are not facing the curse of sin. They're facing the curse of singleness, right? Because every single one of those movies, while they have different stories, they actually don't. They're actually all going the same exact direction that you have one or the other that's hopelessly single and they can't find their spouse and there is this void in their life that cannot be fulfilled until they find the perfect person. Even movies that fight against that, like actually in that way, like how to lose a guy in 10 days, it's the same thing. It goes back around. They actually get the guy. (laughs) So all of it is going that direction. And and the idea that gets kind of embedded into the person is that if if you're single, you're, you're missing out. Or if you're not married, there's a void in your life. And so when it comes to the church, the church folks get together. And in the church, you have all kinds of people, which is a beautiful thing. And it's in the church that you see some examples of biblical marriage. And you see some marriages in the church. And there could be a temptation for the single person to think, I've got to get there before I'm content in the Lord. Or I've got to find that spouse before I can fulfill the mission of God. But the reality is, neither of those are true. Because when we look into God's word, he actually speaks the opposite. See, the Bible speaks, speaks much to singleness in 1 Corinthians 7. And, 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 and so here is where I want us to go with this. The main idea, the, the main bottom line for, for what we're going to see here is for single folks to steward your singleness, okay? There's your nice alliteration since we're Baptists, okay? I want you to steward your singleness. You know, when you have a life, whether you're married or not, it's important to have a budget. Very, very important. Huge fan of the budget. And the reason folks have a budget is they can manage their finances, right? It's important to have a game plan for the money that the Lord has given you that you have earned in your workplace so that you can maximize what you do with it. And if you don't, you'll find yourself in a place like the McCree household where we're eating Chick-fil-A like every day. And you're wondering, where did all the money go? (laughs) And it's important to have this budget so you can steward well those finances. And it's in your life at large that it is important that you steward this season. Whether it's a season or whether it's a lifetime, you can actually steward it well so that your devotion to the Lord will be at the highest point it could be and that the mission of God is carried out in a profound way in your life. And so we're going to learn how to steward that through this passage today. So I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 25 together. And we're going to pause periodically as we go through this to, to know and see what Paul is saying. So let's start in verse 25. He says, Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy 
is trustworthy. So Paul is about to speak into this idea, because chapters 5, 6, and 7 are speaking about marriage in the church of Corinth. And he's about to speak into single people. Now, here, he says something that you actually don't see Paul say often. It's actually pretty uncommon. He says, I have no command from the Lord. He says, I have no command, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. And so what he is saying here is that there is Christian, there is charity within this conversation. That this isn't a decree from the Lord, but he's saying, I'm going to offer up my suggestion. So like to go back to my my Chick-fil-A idea, since we all love Chick-fil-A, I hope you do. Like if if we're talking, and we're we're in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A for whatever reason, and I say, uh, hey, you know, when you can get a number one or a number two, the spicy Chick-fil-A sandwich, that's really good. You could also get the eight-count chicken nugget meal. That's also really good, right? And I could propose the two of you, those two options to you, and neither one of those are bad options. And one of those is not a wrong option. It's not a yes or no. It's good and good because it's Chick-fil-A, amen? It's good and good. But in the sea, I could say, however, in my opinion, I think you should go with a spicy chicken sandwich meal. And then you may decide for whatever reason, I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with a count. That is totally fine because you did not make a wrong choice. You made a decision where it was good and good. All right. And so what Paul is saying right here is what he's about to address is whether you are single and you choose to be single or whether you are married and you go down the pathway of marriage, it is good and good. It is gift and gift. It is not wrong and right. And that's very important to know because he says, I have no command from the Lord. I'm just giving my judgment as one who is trustworthy. Okay, so there's charity in what he is about to say. So whatever he's going to say, probably not going to be normal to what we know. So he goes to verse 26. He says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Watch this. Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. So what he is saying here is that if you are unmarried, don't go find a wife. Now that's not the advice we usually hear, right? From our friend groups or from the movies. He's saying don't do it. Don't go find a bride, men. He said it is better to be unmarried. He's about to say this here in just a moment. And so I want to point out something here, just to kind of ease the tension on this conversation, that this does, in fact, go to show that God may be indeed blessing folks. And yes, I use that word, blessing folks, with the gift of singleness. And yes, I said a gift. That in fact, it should not be surprising that within the body of Christ, that God raises up people who will remain single for the remainder of their lives. I understand that it's helpful to have a particular place in a church for folks that are young professionals or folks that are singles. But let's not forget that this letter that we are reading is written to the church at Corinth. That it's meant in the context of a local church. It is normal. It is 
It is normal in the scriptures. It's normal in the church to have folks that God has specifically raised up and called to be single. It is absolutely normal. And maybe, more often than not, many folks are called to this life, and the church should embrace that. Because Paul is saying here, if you are not married, don't go after a wife, guys. Just like in Psalm 23, where they write, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I lack nothing. That when it comes to someone who is gifted with this singleness, the Lord will sustain your soul. He really will. And so he's about to explain why he is saying this in the next verses. Of, Don't see a wife. Because he gave it out there. Well, Paul, we need some justification for what you're saying. So look at verse 28. He keeps going on. He's about to explain in a moment. He says, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. He says, I would spare you that. And so he's saying, all right, folks, if you decide to be married, and he's going to explain this a little more in a moment as well, that's totally okay. Remember, it's not wrong and right. It is yes and yes, gift and gift. That here, if you choose to be married, it is totally okay. It is totally permissible. There's nothing wrong with a single person with a desire to get married for them to go and get married. However, he says, if you choose to get married, you will discover and find worldly troubles. There will be difficulties for the married person that a single person may not face. I'll give you an example. This past week, it was a party in our neighborhood. If you live in the neighborhood right here, we had a giant maple tree in our backyard. And um, for whatever reason, this massive 50-ton maple tree, that was an exaggeration, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> it decided it was going to die and fall over. <laughs> and so I was riding down University Drive. Lexi calls me. Her, her breathing is hard. She is, she is crying. She's like, Ethan, our biggest tree in the backyard fell, and it crushed the fence. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, what is happening? And so I come home, and sure enough, the biggest tree in our yard has fallen over, completely uprooted. It has destroyed our fence. There's an apartment complex behind our house. It destroyed their fence. It ripped up two power poles out of the ground, and the whole neighborhood, or majority of the neighborhood, and the apartments lost their power. So if you live there, it was our fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was quite the fiasco. And I remember I was there at 6.30. It's getting dark outside. We got a one-month-old. We got Heidi, and she is screaming because all of a sudden the lights are out. She's hungry. We have one candle in the house because we are not prepared at all. And we're sitting there, and Heidi is just furious, and Piper is freaking out, and Lexi is just so, like, out. she was just so uh, kind of petrified by the moment that when I came in, like, there's a problem at hand. Like, we got to get the girls out of the house and find a place with power. I got to get Lexi calmed down. We got to do all these different things. That would have not been the time to say, all right, how about we have family worship, <laughs> right? That's not the time to have that. That is the time to figure out what is going on. And see, for me, because we have this family, it comes with all the troubles that come to life. If a massive tree falls down, or if something else happens, whatever it may be, my point is, stuff happens. And it's in this that it becomes 
increasingly difficult in some ways to have a focus on the Lord. We're going to talk about more of that in a moment. But the main idea is stuff happens when you choose to be married. And so in verse 28, he keeps going. He says, I would spare you that. Talking about these worldly troubles. And then in verse 29, he says, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as those that as though they were not rejoicing, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. And so he further elaborates on that. That in this life, we recognize very quickly that it is short. Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us that everything under the sun is a vanity. Or another translation might say meaningless. And James teaches us that life is but a vapor. One second is there and the next second it is gone. And so all along the way, what Paul is saying in these verses is that this life, everything that we have, it will go by quickly. And so for our marriages that exist, we have to remain focused in a sense on the Lord despite everything else that is happening. So when he says you need to let those who have wives live as though they had none, that is not a free pass to neglect your wife. That is not what he's saying. He is saying that this life is so short that because of the troubles within it, we can't allow that to uh, steer us off course of the pathway that the Lord has called for us. We have to remain focused in. He said, for the present form of this world is passing away. We have to be free from these anxieties. And so Paul, he doesn't want people to deal with those things. This is what he's simply saying. Now, in verse 32 uh, uh, and going to the next one, this is where he begins to go back to singleness. He says in 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. Here we go. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order. And here we go. To secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And that is the key phrase. This is what he is getting at, whether you're married or if you are single. The key thing here. And this is the one takeaway I want this, our folks to catch today. Is that singleness allows for soul devotion unto the Lord. The singleness allows for soul devotion unto the Lord. Now, Ethan, are you saying that single people are the only people that can be fully devoted to the Lord? No, that's not what I'm saying, but let me explain. If you go to a wedding, there's a moment in the wedding ceremony at the very beginning, and it's one of the most important ones, and that is when the bride begins to walk down the aisle. 
a very sweet moment. And so when the bride begins to walk down the aisle, what traditionally everyone will do is they'll rise up and they will turn their attention to the bride. They will turn their attention to her. Sometimes you'll periodically look back at the room to see, like, is he sobbing? But primarily, you are focused in on the bride as she goes down the aisle. And as she goes down the aisle, your focus remains on her. She goes because everything is pointing to her. She is the sole focus of that moment. And see, in singleness, this is different from marriage. Because what Paul is saying is in singleness, you can be solely fixated, focused, and his word devoted unto the Lord and the Lord alone, where in marriage is very different. And so there is actually an advantage to being single, very different than the rom-coms we see on Netflix. Because he is saying in singleness, that because you are free from the anxieties of marriage, you're free from the troubles of the world, you're free from simply being, not as a bad thing, but your attention being divided towards your family, you can give everything to God. And you recognize from this passage that His intent for you is your heart towards Him. That's the goal. He's saying single people, He desires, he yearns for your soul focus unto him. This is his goal. He says that in marriage, your your interests are divided. And I understand that. That when you move into marriage, it is a good and noble thing to take care of your family or to serve alongside her in your family, or if you're a child, to show honor and care for your parents or guardian. It is a good thing. Those are noble things. But it's in those things that you do not have the same level and focus of devotion that you would in singleness. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's different. And that's what Paul is getting at here. That it's in singleness that you and the Lord and be alone where you can have intimacy with God. A relationship with the Lord that is completely undivided, uncontested. It is in that season you can have that. And that is exactly why singleness is not a curse, but singleness is a gift. And singleness should be stewarded well. He goes on in verse 37, or verse 36. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and having determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, verse 38, he who marries his betrothed does well, And he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet, and he goes back to this, yet in my judgment, judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And then he says, I think that I too have the spirit of God. So his final closing argument is just to simply reinforce what has happened in the previous verses. 
He says, folks, if you are here today and you have a genuine desire to be married, that is a great thing. And by no means should you have to be single if you truly burn with passion for someone else. He says it is a good thing. And you are not sin, you are not in sin if you do this. And so the point in this sermon that I'm not trying to make is that you shouldn't have to be single. Or you have to be single if you don't want to. That's not the case, and that's not what Paul is saying. But what he is getting at is that when it comes down to singleness and marriage, that it is in singleness that he even uses the words, we'll do better, because it's in singleness that you can have this soul devotion to the Lord that you can't find necessarily in marriage. So that brings us to a place like, okay, well, what do we do with that? Paul is making a case for singleness. He's also giving room for marriage. How do we deal with that as a church? Because there's a lot of gray area in that. There's a lot of ways we can run with that. Let me give you a few things just to consider. Single people, if you're here today, unmarried, even if you're engaged in preparing for marriage, I, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to leverage this season of your life to grow in Christ, and to fulfill his mission. To leverage this season of your life to grow in Christ and to advance the mission of God. You have the time and the ability, the environment to grow in a way that is incredible. You have a time and season in your life, whether you remain single for the rest of your life or whether you are a person that desires to be married. In this moment now, if you are single, you can advance the kingdom of God in a way that married people have difficulties doing. You have this freedom, you have this flexibility. College students, if you are here and you are single, go on summer missions. You don't have a kid at home necessarily that is going to hold you from going to Boston. Go on summer missions and leverage that season of your life while you are single. College students, while you have the freedom to go and uh, work in the city and to have incredible amounts of friend groups and be in environments that are just different. Leverage this season of your life because God has blessed you with it. It is not meant to be idly wasted, but it can be leveraged for the glory of God and the mission of God. Use this time to be alone with Him in the mornings, throughout the day, in the evenings. While I'm out here preparing bottles, read the Psalms, pray to the Lord. Use this time where you can have this soul devotion unto Him. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And let's not misunderstand it and think that it's a curse. Because it's not. Single people, leverage this season of your life to grow in Christ and advance the mission of God in a way that is so available and accessible now. For married people, if you're here today, families and married people, understand that your devotion to God comes with potentially a greater challenge here. That you need to ensure your faithfulness, that you set aside time to be with God and to advance the mission of, your God, mission of God in your marriage. It comes with its challenges because our interests, our interests are divided, right? Not that those interests are bad things, 
Not that they're sinful things, but that we truly have different responsibilities that God has called us to tend to. And so all the more for you, you must steward your time well to ensure that you can be with God through his word, through time in prayer, and that you have margin in your life to care for the local church, to care for people within this fellowship, and to have margin in your life that despite your divided interests and despite the, the responsibilities you have in your marriage, that you do not let that replace the mission that God has given you of going and making disciples. Yes, it is a good thing to care for our spouse and a good thing to care for our kids, but we cannot let that substitute what God has asked of us in our responsibility towards reaching those far from Christ. We must work at this and pray and seek the Lord's face to give us wisdom on how to best do that in our family context. Also, married people, you will have the, the opportunity, if the Lord has blessed you with this, to disciple folks that are single. And you are on the other side of what Paul is saying in this truth, that there are divided interests. You can disciple and prepare people for marriage. To understand that while they will have a different schedule and a different level of responsibility, that they indeed can follow the Lord faithfully and live on mission. Use this time to lay a framework, a foundation of what biblical singleness can look like. Encourage them to leverage that singleness and prepare them if they desire marriage. And so you need to know this all the more because more often than not, the Lord will give you ample, multi, multiple opportunities throughout your life to disciple those who are single. And so God can do so much in both seasons of life. And what I'm simply calling us to do is in light of God's word, let's steward it well so that whether we're single or whether we are married, or whether you're engaged, preparing to be married, that your devotion is set on him. See, the intent of this passage and all that Paul wants here is that your heart will be knitted to Christ. That your affections, your life, your soul is completely fixated on God. And so today, as we come to a close, I just want to ask you, where is your devotion to the Lord today? Whether you're single or married, does your devotion run deep? Does it run strong? Is it vibrant? Are you flourishing in Christ today? Or maybe today, are you someone here that is struggling through your walk with Christ for whatever reason that may be? I just want to encourage you to run and devote your life to Christ. To give everything to him, whether in singleness or marriage, because he desires your first and your best to be fixated on him. And for those of you that are here today, maybe you're here and you have never trusted in Christ. Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you recognize the name of Jesus. But you do not know him as Savior. You do not know him as Lord. Jesus Christ 
offers this gift to you today. And it is the gift of salvation. He calls to all sinners. And we know that he is the friend of sinners. Regardless of how broken you feel today, how far away from the Lord you may feel, how deep in your sin you may have gone, the gospel is true here that God will save. And he will take whatever you have done and wash it white as snow. And this is a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's not something that you can achieve. It's not something you can get by coming to the well every single week. It's only something that you can receive from Christ. And all he asks is that you would trust in him. That you would have faith in him. Romans is so clear that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here today without hope and without God in the world, look no further. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has conquered death, hell, and the grave, can save you. And he is after your devotion today. So give that to him. Give him your life. And he will make you a new creation. Let's pray together.